Welcome back to another Untitled Sundance Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, I thought Sundance was over. Our last review of the festival, Eric. Uh, how's your festival been? You know what? Uh, I tapped out at 25, and I have to say that I am satisfied with that. And yeah. also, like I feel like each movie that I watched, I really gave enough time in between you know watching another film i agree with that yeah to, or having a discussion with you on our you know review podcast um site to kind of just just decompress think about the film appreciate what the filmmakers were doing even if i didn't love the movie and just give the film its due and even though i i could have watched more and i could have pushed myself to watch more i'm weirdly content and and just again just satisfied overall yeah i think i'm with you um it it, we'll we'll go over the whole festival in our rap show um our friend daniel baptista from the movie podcast is going to um join us for that so that should be fun but um yeah i'm with you I, i i tapped out at 20 um i think that's a good amount i didn't uh, I was able to, you know, stop at three films a day on some days or only watch one movie in a day if I wasn't feeling like, you know, up to uh, cramming my brain because you forget like and I hate it's we're we're very privileged that we're in this position where we get to cover this festival and I'm very grateful and I never want to be like, oh, it's, it, it is mentally taxing at times when you're watching you know four or five movies in a day so um to your point it is nice to only watch you know a couple and actually sit on them and think about them and and you know put together our thoughts for these reviews so like even flea i I watched a couple days ago so we were able to you know it was it won an award it won best documentary feature right at at the festival um and uh I was able to catch it because I missed it earlier in the festival when you watched it. So, um, yeah, but overall Sundance, like, I love that they did that with the award-winning films as well. They just, you know, once they won an award, they gave everyone a second chance to watch any of the award films that they missed, which I thought was great. And, uh, we were able to, or I was able to watch flea. So I'm glad we were able to, uh, review it because, uh, spoilers, um, it was your favorite film of the festival, I think. Yes, it was, Matt. It, it definitely was. I mean, there were, there were plenty of, of, of great films, um, at the festival in terms of like, you know, like th- my top four or five that I really, really liked. I mean, obviously we've talked about Judas and the Black Messiah, um, Violation, which we saw back at TIFF, um, even, you know, Pleasure and there are some moments Coda. In, in Coda. Yeah, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but with Flea, I think Flea is interesting because not only, I mean, I'm a documentary guy, but, I'm usually one that's opposed to animation and documentary because usually I feel like animation is a supplement to use when you don't have, you know, B-roll to cover certain things or you just you can't shoot something that is being discussed, whether it be anecdotally or um, sort of given a layout. And I just kind of feel like it's more of just a a substitute to fill in the blanks than anything else. But when you make a documentary that's completely animated, I think Mm -hmm. it actually presents more creative challenges and innovations and sort of, you know, keeping in sync with 
the style overall. Like it doesn't feel jarring, you know, when you do see some of the archival footage that is integrated into this film. Um, and so watching this, I mean, the, the obvious comparison that people will bring up and, and have is uh, Walt with Bashir, which is the 2008 Israeli movie that also did something very similar where it's taking, you know, uh, real subjects and real people interviewing them, but sort of taking their, their audio and their, their, their vocals and adding them into a animated version of themselves or into other characters to kind of give you a sense of, of place and time and allow and to protect their identity, protecting too. their identity. And we'll talk about that as we go on, but also the idea to be a little bit, maybe even more abstract. If, you know, a character is, you know, having an internal monologue or thinking about something, you can kind of create more abstract imagery or at least kind of get an idea that, you know, not everything has to be as literal. So it, it, it opens the door uh, that way. And, and again, because it is all animated and it's, you know, 2D, it's, it's, it's a very different style than, you know, uh, a lot of the studio fare, whether it be Disney or, um, you know, uh, Leica or anything in between. Like this is kind of more um, sort of classic no, yeah. hand-drawn animation, but there's a crudeness to it that I got. I was going like. to say a crudeness, but it's not like – Crypto Zoo, which no. we also reviewed at the festival, which is very sketch based and scrapbooky, where this is like, you know, it's fully animated, but it, it it's got that kind of crude nature to it, not in a negative way, but in a you know just the way that it's animated. And, yeah, and it's drawn. it's it's very much. I mean, it is a European production, so you can tell like you know, the, the animation that they're working with has kind of a more tactile quality to it, but at the same time, it's still very kind of realistic in sort of the depictions of you know the human form and sort of locations and sort of backgrounds and things like that i mean we we've seen it a little bit as well with even something like you know the breadwinner and and you know gk films uh um seems to be releasing a lot of you know these movies where um whether or even cartoon saloon to a certain extent but they're a little bit more kind of sort of you know shape defined or they try to do a little bit more but the story itself um is a refugee story and it has basically sort of a framing device of a documentary filmmaker, um, Jonas, uh, pure, uh, Rasmussen, um, who, uh, is interviewing his friend, uh, Amin Nazwavi in Copenhagen. And basically Amin is telling his story of how, he came of age in Kabul in the 1980s and fled during the Soviet Afghan war and fled to Russia where even though it was at the end of the iron curtain and you know the the wall falling um the Russia that was left was still very much corrupt and you had you know Russian government officials and police um basically um just attacking and and stalking and preying on any immigrants or refugees that were coming in from other countries uh, in the Middle East. And so from there, we also kind of get his perspective of how um, his older brother, his much older brother, is trying to get them out of Russia and into Sweden where he is and how human trafficking plays this huge role and how it causes post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and again, it's an animated movie, but the themes and story and the way that it's discussed in the film are so 
human and yeah. and relatable that you feel the pain and stress and kind of somber way that this story is being told by him. And then also, you know, like he's, you know, kind of coming into his own and figuring out that he's gay and that, you know, like his sexuality is budding at a time and in a place that, you know, being gay is not accepted, especially in, you know, Afghanistan. And, and so he's trying to, you know, conceal that and hide that and and even kind of keep it just from his family because he doesn't want to you know quote unquote bring shame to them and you know in the present when when we're kind of you know having or when he's having this conversation you know he's trying to figure out whether or not he wants to settle down uh with his boyfriend casper and get married and um i think again like a lot of this stuff is just really powerful understated and the animation kind of brings out a vibrancy to it but never kind of over embellishes the importance of what is being talked about and i i, I know i'm rambling here but like i just really you're not really, rambling yeah uh, no, really love that's... the film and um i think it's one of those movies that Again, like it's just it's nice to be reminded of how animation and filmmaking, you know, different styles can come together and make something really unique. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I you're, really you're, you're not you're not rambling at all. That's why we have this show. Um, I'm glad you uh, you loved it because like I'm I'm I I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, I just don't think I'm as impassioned as as you are about it, which I that's why I'm glad for you to you know take the lead and 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 tell people why you loved it. But um, I agree with everything you're saying. I just I, I never got over that hump for me, which is like a lot of the stuff at at the festival this year where um I found myself watching it and going, oh that was pretty good. Um, but I didn't have like a visceral reaction to it. I, I, I found his story was interesting. Uh, um, I agree with you with the animation and the things that they're able to do in the documentary format that they probably wouldn't have been able to do if they just, you know, straight up shot this very traditionally, um, which obviously they shot all the footage and it's not tech rotoscoped or anything. It's just interpreting the, you know, um, everything that was said and, and, you know, as they follow them, I'm sure they shot all this footage, but they just kind of animated it. But I, I like that idea of it. And I, I think it's engaging because of that. Um, and I think that's the one thing about documentaries that I've said to you, like I used to joke saying that they're not real movies and that was just me being an ass. Um, obviously like, and I've also said like, anytime I actually put most documentaries on, I I'm like, Oh, I actually do like, this genre i just don't seek it out very often and and that's what i found about flea is like oh i i enjoyed this i enjoyed uh uh mean story i um i i did love the style of it it's just i was i don't know this year i just struggled with a lot of movies where i, I never got over that hump and i can't really like put it into words why like i liked the movie i liked his story but um I wasn't engrossed in it or I wasn't like blown away by it. I was just perfectly, you know, okay with it. <laughs> and, right. um, and w mind you, I do love that it's doing something, you know, a bit different. We've seen it a few times before, but like the best documentaries in my mind are the ones that, you know, break away from tradition and do something a little bit more cinematic or do something that's a little bit more engaging rather than, you know, the very educational stuff they would have put on in, you know, history class or, or something like that when the teachers hung over or something like, again, this would be a, one of those movies that would be, you know, great to show your students in, in whatever class. But, um, I think the best documentaries do do something different and that's what I appreciate about flea. Um, but yeah, it just never got over that hump to me to do anything like spectacular. Um, but I was, I was perfectly like 
content with it. And I just don't have that much to say. That's why I don't mind you ramp quote unquote rambling Eric and saying what you loved about it. Right. Right. And, and, and again, like I think um, part of this, the story that I found kind I mean, I mean it, it is a tragic story in many ways is totally you yeah. know, that Amon's, you know, his family has been kind of fragmented and you kind of learn that stripped like, away from him and he, like his father was taken by uh, the Afghan police and, and sort of, you know, his older brother lives in Sweden, you know, he had to go to Copenhagen and, and, um, you know, his sisters had to leave before him uh, when they were in Russia and his mother um, who's uh, a little bit older, um, you know, is, is, is feeling that strain and that stress and, and, you know, again, there's a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder and he still fears for, you know, his family's well-being even, you know, years later because of, of, you know, not being documented and and having to use traffickers to come in. And um, I think that the, the, the sense of sort of harrowing um, sort of adventure or at least sort of travel really gets through, especially when, you know, there's a sequence where, you know, the first time they attempt to go from Russia uh, to Sweden on this kind of little rickety boat and are all kind of put, you know, underneath and sort of like the, the sort of the, the capsule it's, you just kind of feel like the stress and claustrophobia of that moment um, so well. And, and you can't even imagine what, you know, uh, an adolescent is feeling, let alone an adult in a situation like that. And um, what he does feel in, in that moment when a cruise ship comes by, I think is really, uh, really powerful. And they didn't overdo it with the eighties music, which I was really appreciative of as yeah. well, because like it's a time and a place. It's a certain, you know, into the late eighties, early nineties, the aha's take on me is probably the most predictable kind of song that they could use. But then they pick like Ace of Bases, you know, uh, Wheel of Fortune and um, uh, Roxette's Joyride, which I think work. But again, it doesn't sort of saturate the film score wise or soundtrack wise with just like, like you know, music to remind you, oh, you're in the late 80s, early 90s. It, it, it plays a part in the film, narratively speaking, but also to the sensibilities of probably what he was listening to uh, as, as a teen. So, and, and, and again, like, I just think that the filmmaking is great. And I, I think we're also just really lucky because we have to neon pick this up and, and we'll be distributing it later this year and participant media will be helping as well. But um, what I'm not sure about is, whether or not this version will be available because they're, they're going to do an English dub uh, of the film with Riz Ahmed um, voicing uh, Amin and um, interesting. And so I like, I wonder if it's going to be like a studio Ghibli thing where, you know um, you know, sometimes if you go to a theater, like the light box, per se, you have the option to see the subtitled version or the English dub version. I don't know if I love that. I don't like, either. Especially no. especially in like a documentary format. Like I don't like recasting um just because you I like I don't know how I feel about that. I well that's the thing. And and that's why I'm appreciative of seeing this version because I don't know what is going to happen to this version, which again, I think it'll probably be available like down the line if it's on disc or something like that. But in terms of marketing it, because Riz Ahmed and um, uh, Nicholas Coster Waldo are, are, are producers or executive producers. And they're going to be doing the dubs 
of the documentary filmmaker and the subject. So like, I'm not the biggest fan of that either. I always will prefer the, the it just feels like a market. It feels like a marketing trick to try to get people like, cause you can say starring these two guys or whatever. And like, and I just don't love that in telling a true story. And like, I get it. If you go with like, Oh, we're protecting identities of people. And, but like this version will is out there and probably will be out there in certain markets and stuff like that too. Um, probably in the European market and non-English speaking, because who cares at that point, but, um, or maybe they'll dub it in each country. I don't know, but, um, yeah, I don't know if I love that aspect of it. Um, I didn't realize that. Um, but again, we're reviewing this version of the movie and, and ultimately I, I did enjoy it. I just didn't, uh, unfortunately, like I, it's not a, great criticism for me but i just didn't have much to say other than like oh i enjoyed his story and i liked the style of it so uh, i'm gonna give it a, a, a three out of five i'm gonna give it a four out of five nice uh thank you all for listening uh this is our final review of the 2021 sundance film festival so depending on what order you're watching these or if you just caught this one uh please go check out all of our other sundance reviews right here on untitled movie reviews uh we also have reviews up right now for um the netflix film malcolm and marie um and much more so please uh, you know keep it locked right here on untitled movie reviews uh go check out our other two podcasts we'll have a sundance wrap-up talking about the whole festival as i mentioned before over on untitled movie podcast so go subscribe over there and then untitled movie conversations we have a couple of cool conversations up with joey noel and nick scarpino of kind of funny which we did at the end of last year that you guys can check out we'll try to get that back up and rolling now that sundance is over um please follow us on all of those social medias at untitled underscore cast drop us a review if you would be so kind on those three podcasts uh and as always my name is matt rohrbeck you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all the social medias at matt rohrbeck and i'm eric martian you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time come on enjoy the joyride